are Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Locked On Flames. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app today and join me tonight at Puck Drop to get in on the live reactions of tonight's game against the Montreal Canadiens. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. It's Friday, which means we have our winners and losers of the week, but I'm also including an interview with a special guest who offers a lot of insight on the Flames and just how much they've improved under Daryl Sutter. But before we jump into this, y'all know the drill. I'm going to ask you to subscribe and follow Locked on Flames wherever you listen to your podcasts. You want to make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode and they go right to your phone or listening device so you are caught up on all the latest and greatest out of Calgary. So like I mentioned, we do have an interview today, but I did just kind of want to run down a little bit of what's going on in the Flames atmosphere before we jump into the interview. They do play the Montreal Canadiens tonight in about an hour and a half. No, what time is it? It's four o'clock here about about two hours from now. And I am currently trying to figure out, I'm trying to open up the app, but the Flames schedule has once again been moved around and situated because of the Canucks COVID situation. So once we have more details on that, I will be sure to lay out the entire schedule for y'all so you don't have to rearrange your entire life (laughs) for a few hockey games that uh, maybe shouldn't be played. But we do have Nick Zararis joining us today. He is somebody who I admire a lot because he understands statistics a lot better than I really could ever, (laughs) but you know, it's a great interview. He offers his insight to really all of the Flames moves at the deadline and their season overall and kind of the future there. But that's coming up next. But first, I'm going to tell you about 1010. This is a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced and they are limited edition designs for a fair price point. You guys, I love looking at rings. I love looking at jewelry, specifically engagement rings. And I must tell you that BlueNile.com has just the most gorgeous designs I've seen. And the prices are very reasonable. And just all of the designs are beautiful. And it's not even necessarily like, you know, the higher the price, the more beautiful the design. Like each ring is gorgeous and you know that $450 ring looks gorgeous okay (laughs) you guys probably don't even care about engagement rings but what about a gift for your mom for mother's day head on over to bluenile.com and search the words 10 by 10 for this collection so you can check it out for yourself and bring a smile and a lot of light into her life And these are only available now through Mother's Day. So head on over to BlueNile.com 
and search 10 by 10 and the collection features high quality fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and it's very fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful if you're on the hunt for that perfect unique ring she'll treasure forever you're definitely going to want to check this out they won't be a lot around long so find them now by searching the words 10 by 10 on bluenile.com Hey guys, it's Jess popping in just to remind you to make sure you're following me on Twitter at Jess Belmosto. And I am a great follow because you get some great reaction pictures along with the Flames coverage. Nick Zararis is here to talk about that outsider's perspective of the Flames trade deadline uh, transactions and just kind of their season as a whole. Nick, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. I can't complain. It's Friday. It looks like the rain is finally starting to let up. We're going to have a weekend of hockey, baseball, basketball. It's, it's a good time of year. It's a very good time of year. Definitely. Um, so before we jump into this, uh, do you want to kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and like what your shtick is? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, I write for Gotham Sports Network. It's a New York-centric sports blog. I mainly dive deeply into hockey analytics. I'm a big proponent of trying to track things like scoring chances for and against, expected goals. I really feel there's a, a way of getting a good bird's eye view of everybody from statistics because I can't watch every single team's game every single night. <laughs> Most nights I can only watch three at four, maybe at the most. I have a three monitor setup, but even with a three monitor setup, it's really hard to keep an eye on three hockey games at once because yeah, the game right. is so fast moving and I just don't have the bandwidth. I keep an eye on, I'm constantly panning around and yeah. looking, but the stats are a way of coloring in the blanks of understanding what went into making that final score happen. So I'm a big proponent of hockey analytics and I also have a podcast of my own. It's called the upper bowl GM podcast. You Jess, have been on once. We talked about the flames yeah. about two weeks into the Daryl Sutter experience. So there I kind of open it up a little bit more. It's not as analytics heavy. I'm more inclined to go off of who my guest is that given day. I've had my fellow stats nerds on, but I've also had friends who just are really passionate about their favorite team and it's really about unpacking the relationship between a sports fan and their favorite team, because I feel like that's something we don't really get to do a ton because fans are what makes this entire thing go around. If there aren't people passionate about a team, it doesn't work. So that's Absolutely. what I'm about. That's what I'm about. So let's get into it. Yeah. So you came to the right place if you're here for passionate fans, because flames fans are, you know, Everybody says that, oh, this fan base is the best. But, like, I think my favorite thing about covering the Flames is just how, like, matter-of-fact their fans are. And they're pretty honest. So, speaking of honesty, um, what have you made of the Daryl Sutter experience so far? I think it's a very interesting case study and trying to see how dramatically you can change your style of play in just a couple of weeks. <laughs> they really, I, I was shocked when I went and looked at some of the stuff, some of the zone entry stuff, because everybody knows what Daryl Sutter hockey is at this point. He's been around the, the, at the NHL level, 20 plus years. They want to get the puck in deep. They want to win those puck battles down low. They want to cycle the puck up to the point. They want to take shots from the point to redirect them 
or get second chance rebound, the greasy goal stuff, the stuff that won Stanley Cups with the Kings last decade. We we that's and that's a stark contrast from what they were doing under Jeff Ward and Bill Peters before that. Very different. Under those guys, they were more of a finesse, a skill team where they're carrying the puck into the zone. They're looking to incorporate their teammates down low, passing across the net mouth to create really dangerous chances. With Sutter, they're opting to go for a quantity of scoring chances to say, we might not create a ton of really good chances to score, but if we get 45, 50 scoring attempts during the course of a game from outworking you, we feel like we can win doing that. And the results haven't really been there for the Flames, but the underlying numbers are good. They're outchancing their opponents most nights. They're not giving up a ton. It's just been an issue of finishing and goaltending, really. I mean, yeah, those are basically what hockey comes down to. But in a long sample, if the goaltending is an issue and your team is only shooting 6 7% as opposed to that 9.5%, 10%, you're going to have issues. The Rangers have had the same problem where when their goaltending has been right, they haven't been able to finish, and vice versa. When the shooting has been hot, they had the bad stretch of goaltending. So it's one of the really interesting things you've been able to see, especially in this season, the 56-game season where you're only playing the same teams over and over again. If you have one weakness and a team knows it can exploit it, they're going to keep doing it. Exactly. And I think that's kind of the fun part of, you know, just only playing divisional games. But it's also, you know, if you do have that weakness and that team exploits you, you know, five out of those eight or nine times, it's it adds up. So I think what's interesting is just the fact that they have won, I think, three in a row now. And I it's just like they came back from – like this I think it was like four or five straight losses and they bounced back and they just had like this new energy to them and it was like the it's like how a 60 minute hockey game should be played rather than this low energy you look like a sack of potatoes out there doing nothing and I think that you know Sutter shaving off ice time from everyone is starting like we're finally starting to see that impact uh just how much energy and effort this team brings. Oh, absolutely. I think one of the real issues they've had is they changed their identity on the fly. They were asked to do one thing for a couple of years under a previous coach. Uh, Peters was doing similar to something as Jeff Ward. That's why I refer to it in yep. a few years, but dramatically altering the way you play and guys who have been used to playing a specific style, getting asked to do something completely different is jarring. You're going to, get different things from that. This style of play requires the forwards to constantly be on the puck. They cannot be lackadaisical. They have to be aggressive for checking and they have to be able to win those pucks along the boards that aren't easy to win. And you have to incorporate your defensemen more, which they hadn't done as much because those guys have to take the shots that set up the sequences that lead to those second chance and those greasy scoring opportunities. So guys like Giordano are having to shoot more, even though he shoots a decent amount to begin with. Guys like Hannafin, you're encouraged to shoot more. Tanev has had pretty nice numbers for them underlying if you adjust for the shooting percentage problems. They're, they changed ex- who they are. And yeah. in less than a month, they've had to completely overhaul the way they play. It's really interesting to see just the difference between them, like mm-hmm. even from you know when Sutter first came in to a month later. But, you know when Sutter came in Sam Bennett had just 
kind of talked to his agent saying, you know, I want a change of scenery. But then apparently there was a conversation between Ward and, uh, sorry, Sutter and Bennett. And Sam Bennett had changed his mind. He was like, you know, like, I really think I'm going to make it work here. And he came out and said that publicly a few times. But then, you know, you see him moved at the deadline. And just a few days before that, Sutter was like, no, like, we've moved on from the trade talk. And, you know, he, this is his home or something along those lines. So do you like the Bennett trade? Before we get Nick's honest answer, we are going to talk about Built Bar. Sorry to interrupt, but, you know, Built Bar is just one of those things that you have to absolutely interrupt any conversation for. And Built Bar is the world's best tasting protein bar. High in fiber, high in protein, low in carbs. And my goodness, it tastes just like a candy bar. Has that really sweet, goodness flavor and it's covered in 100% chocolate so you know it is the real deal when I say it tastes like a candy bar but uh, you can head on over to builtbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off of your next order that's promo code LOCKED15 at builtbar.com for 15% off of your next order from Calgary's perspective, I understand it. He's a pending restricted free agent. He hasn't really given you anything more than the production of a fourth line wing. You don't really want to get into, do I want to give this guy a bridge contract? Do I want to maybe roll the dice that we can get something out of him that we haven't gotten out of him and we give him something silly like a five-year deal, but only two and a half, three million per year based on being a high upside bottom six forward. From Florida's perspective, I mean you're throwing a pick at the wall. It's not a horrendous idea to have an extra depth forward. Sam Bennett's notorious for playing well in the playoffs. Florida figures to be a playoff team that wants to be able to, they're probably not going to be able to beat Tampa, but they'd like to be able to hang with Tampa Mm -hmm. and having a sandpaper guy like Bennett with a little bit of offensive upside and a playoff track record. It makes sense from a Florida perspective. From Calgary's perspective, it's asset control. Calgary doesn't have a ton of cap space. They figure we'd rather have the second round pick instead of giving Sam Bennett two and a half, three million dollars for one or two years trying to figure out who he is because you can get a fourth line forward for a lot less. Exactly. And I think the issue with Calgary outside of the cap space is just how they manage their depth players because, mm. you know, like you can have a great fourth line you can have a gritty bottom six but you need that secondary scoring and if they're not doing that then what's the point like it's your top six can't just be the ones carrying the weight of the team and at some points you know during the season you just see the bottom six going at it or the middle six going at it and that top line's invisible or you get really excited because of that secondary scoring and then it just like it's like a flat tire just deflates on you um did the rangers make any real moves at the deadline they signed one of their draft picks they signed a third round draft pick from the 2019 class Zach jones he's a left-handed defenseman he won the national title with umass amherst last week uh they figured to get him in the lineup but that was their only trade deadline activity i i read they've been half asked shopping Ryan Strom for like the last year and a half because 
they don't really buy into his production. They haven't found a suitor for him. Alexander Georgiev, the backup goalie, his trade value is kind of tanked because he had a really rough stretch during the beginning of this season. His save percentage is still below 900. I know last year teams had made calls and the Rangers said, no, we're going to hold on. And there was a little bit of a murmuring that maybe they turn, try and turn Pavel Buchnevich into either a first round pick or a, a center because the Rangers glaring need right now is another center, but pretty much all quiet. They signed a draft pick. Jones probably gets into the lineup in the last 12, 13 games here down the stretch, just to kind of see what he is as a player right now. But Rangers are quiet. They're still, they're still kind of trying to decide if they're done acquiring assets from their rebuild or if they need to fine tune the roster a little bit more. Definitely. And I love the youth movement that we're just seeing there. I think it's so awesome. And, you know, the Rangers are a fun team to watch. I think that they have, you know, that little bit of a rebound from their rebuild and you kind of have a competitive edge to you now that you didn't necessarily have last year or the year before. Rangers got to cheat, though. We got to sign Panarin. Not every team in a rebuild gets to sign one of the 15 best players in the league for just money. They didn't have to trade anything for him. Yeah. So the Rangers got lucky there. And then Adam Fox forced his way here. That that right. Those are the two important things. Adam Fox forcing his way to the Rangers because he's their best defenseman far and away. You have a number one defenseman who's one of the 10, 15 best defensemen in the league. You have a top 10, 15 forward in Panarin. And then you have a top 10 goalie in Shesterkin. And your rebuild moves a lot faster. Not every team is so lucky. I mean, Buffalo, the Devils. Yeah. You think about some of these teams that have been mired in 10 plus year rebuild because they haven't gotten lucky the rangers have right. gotten extremely lucky that that doesn't even count the ping pong ball luck of oh my getting, god i know yeah yeah that i still can't believe that that happened i'm very, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm happy about that yeah. um you know is there anything else you would like to add before i ask you for the, the ultimate question of our friday friday show um, in terms of the Rangers, not particularly. They're a young team. They still make stupid mistakes. They couldn't beat Buffalo two weeks ago for some reason, and they decided to hang four and six on the Devils in consecutive nights, even though the Sabres are definitely worse than the yeah. Devils. They're a young and consistent team. But big picture-wise, in terms of the trade deadline, the one thing I do want to say is it's the one time of year you get to see what a general manager actually thinks of their team. Mm-hmm. If a general manager thinks their team is good, they'll go out and spend draft picks or prospects to go at a guy. Like Toronto thinks they're good. They paid a lot to get you know someone who's going to be a second-line left wing or a third-line left wing in Nick Foligno. Yeah. Or the Bruins got lucky. They got Taylor Hall for a bag of chips, basically. Yeah. But you get to see what general managers think of their team during this time of year. If a general manager thinks their team is close, they'll go out and add someone. If a general manager thinks their team is bad, they'll sell. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's, um, you know, a good way to put it because, I mean, the Flames were sellers. Yeah. But they're going to... I the way that I talk about it on the show is that like they're in this weird transitional period before they officially enter that rebuild. So I think that uh Flames fans just need to buckle up and cross their fingers right now <laughs> for the next few years. I if you go person by person mm-hmm. on the Flames, I like a lot of the pieces they have and 
the real thing is going to be, do you want to mold your roster around what Daryl Sutter wants? Because he's your coach for the next three years. Mm -hmm. But after that, you don't know because he's an older guy. Or do you want to try and get a little bit of the best of both worlds where you're being conscientious of what Sutter wants, but you also realize we need to plan for the next five years, not just the next three. Exactly. And I think that's just another weird thing with the Flames is that it's never like a solid timeline like there's no solid picture or anything for this team um especially when it comes to the players but like you said when you look at it on paper they should be a really good team I do think this year in particular being the way set up has hurt that middle class of teams because in a normal year the Flames would be in the mix for one of the wild card spots in the Pacific Division and they would have the luxury of playing you know the other average or slightly above average teams Mm -hmm. you get you get two games in there against the devils two games against buffalo two games against the coyotes two against the kings two against the ducks two against the sharks add up all of those and you know in a normal year a middle class team like the flames they probably go out and add something because they're only a couple points back of a wild card to just kind of shoehorn their way into one of those last spots a general manager is incentivized to do that because you know we want to have at least three home games in the first round. So if we can sell out those three games, that's a lot of money for us. That's a good thing. But in a year like this, there was no incentive for an average team to go out and add something because you're not going to sell out any home games because you're yeah. not having fans in attendance. And then another thing that I noticed was that uh, most of the draft picks, if not all of them, aren't even for this year. Yes. For next year when scouting is, you know, Closer to normal, yeah. Yeah, which somebody asked me the other day. They were like, oh, like, do you have any, like, idea on the draft class? And I said, no. No one does. There's no real coverage of it, and no one is hyping up anything. A lot of these guys had shortened seasons or non-existent seasons. Yeah. There's not – there's nothing to evaluate, unfortunately. There's not a ton to work with because a lot of these guys just haven't played the games. I know there was there were a handful of GMs that were really pushing to either push the draft back mm-hmm. to the fall so that these guys could have their spring season because a lot of the um, junior major junior hockey in Canada hasn't played. The OHL hasn't played, the WHL, the QMJHL. None of those leagues have played in a year, and that's the bread and butter. A bulk of your draft picks in the NHL draft come from the major junior leagues in Canada, and those guys haven't played. Uh, the U.S. National Development Team program has played some of their normal schedule against the USHL team, so guys like Owen Power, guys like Luke Hughes have played games, but it's always risky taking guys from the development team program because they play against kind of worse competition. They don't yeah. really get true seasoning. But to your point of this, yeah, it's a crapshoot. Not a lot of these guys have experience because scouts aren't on the road following these guys. They're not at the games. It's a lot of video work. And some of these teams have scaled back their scouting because they've cut their budgets because they haven't had fans and they haven't sold tickets. So it's going to be a really interesting ride here to the summer because you have that and then you have the expansion draft in the mix. So there's, there's so much going on this And all of the variables adding up, the compounding of issues of the pandemic and the revenues compounding, well, we can't afford to send X number of scouts out. And the towns that allow people in attendance, well, we can only send one guy as opposed to the normal number of guys. There's just so many different factors compounding into each other that 
this offseason is going to be a mess between the expansion draft and the regular draft. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to it because I think it'll be certainly a truly chaotic time in any yeah. fashion. I just, I'm very interested to see how this goes. But to wrap this up, um, before you came on, I asked you for your winners and losers of the week. May I have your loser, please? I was going to originally say Taylor Hall for getting traded to a good team for once, but the good team not being able to score goals at all on five on five for some reason, just, I don't know what's going on with the Bruins. It kind of looks like the pardon space jam where all the good guys lost their powers to the Monstars kind of deal, but losers wise, um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with an interesting one. I just thought of right the second who I didn't write down originally I'm going with Lindy Ruff for challenging that goal last night that would have been Kravtsov's first goal for offsides in a four nothing oh, game yeah. it made no difference to the outcome of the game losing four nothing losing five nothing oh. and, and you took away a kid's first NHL goal for that come on man yeah no that's uh that's pretty rough <laughs> that's you know it's, that's not great and yeah. who's your winner Elliot Friedman for being Gossip Girl Yes. You know, if there is ever a time to have Twitter notifications on, it is free agency day and trade deadline day for him because I mean, you should have them on all the time. But those are the days where you're just like, oh, my God, like how how does he find all this out? Or my favorite is when he was on TV in Canada and they'd be doing the free agency stuff and be like, oh, yeah, I got to call. I got to go. Like, I'm like. I, I want that. <laughs> that sounds like so much fun. He just gets to be Gossip Girl for a job. He just gets to tweet rumors and right. be like, I think these teams are close on a deal. Uh, we'll see what happens. Like, he doesn't even know for sure, and he's just going to no. fire that off. He's going to get a couple thousand, hundred thousand interactions on that tweet, and he's going to answer the phone. He's going to call his people in the league office, be like, you guys have anything coming down the trade wire? Because that's what I found out. That's how they find out trades happen. Oh. Is they, have, they have people in the league office because paperwork has to be filed for that and they call the league office and well yeah the trade's going through now this is what it is that's how they find out that's so interesting okay you know that makes a lot of sense see i just figured somebody like would shoot him a text or call him and be like so by the way yeah but yeah thank you so much for joining us or joining me um (laughs) where can we find you on social media uh, the Twitter handle is at Nick Zararis. My last name, you spell it Z-A-R-A-R-I-S. Tweet disgusting amount about hockey. Just no human being should consume as much hockey as I do. Like you texted me being sure we were good for the time we scheduled. And I was like, yeah, I rolled out of bed after writing a column that had me up to like 2.30 in the morning. I spent 40 minutes drinking coffee and just going through natural statric, evolving wild money puck. That's what I do. You know how old That's people what, read the newspaper? Yeah. I, I, I go to the hockey stats. Yep. One of my, my other friend, Nick, who is a uh, recurring guest on here, he, he'll message me at like 5.30 in the morning. He's like, yeah, just, just wrapping up my article, have it live in the morning. I'm like, I'm just getting up to get like a cup of water and I'm going back to bed. Um, And you haven't even like gone to bed, but you know, I think that's kind of like the fun part of covering hockey is just like, how chaotic your schedule can get. And then once you 
kind of like get into a groove of it. It doesn't feel odd. You're just kind of like, okay, like I go to bed at like three o'clock in the morning now. It's fine. It well, worked. yeah, it I had not. I had an idea hit me at 1230 and, you know, I had to sit down and write it. That's just exactly. the way it works. And sometimes, like, I know for me, if I get an idea and I don't work on it. You lose it. Yeah. Or at least a big chunk of it to where, like, my point is made. I'll just be like, no, I don't want to do it anymore. I'm good. But thank you again. And we'll have you back on at some point, I'm sure, because this is a daily podcast. And during the off season. Hosting a daily podcast does get a little bit lonely, so I'm sure that we will see Nick around this uh, these next this neck of the woods again. So I will see you all on the locker room app tonight at Puck Drop, so we can live react and have a watch party together to this battle at uh, Montreal. All right, bye bye.